All right, we're here. So, listen, man, I, I have something to get off my chest. Go for it. I, I have to talk about what happened in, in the theater today. So, I'm sitting up in the theater, right? Okay, it, it's a packed house. I'm thinking, all right, things about to be fine and dandy. I'm about to watch this movie. And then, all you know is, like, there's this guy who just sits right beside me. Now, you think there'd be nothing of it. It's like, I, I pay him no mind. Except for the fact that uh, there was a smell. Oh, no. A, a, a really pungent smell, if you will. Mm-hmm. A, a smell as if it's, it was like he, he had never showered a day in his life. I, I was horrified. That was the scariest part of the whole movie, was just me having to deal with him. I was like, I had to like lean over to the other side. I pretty much, pretty much made sure I had made the other people as uncomfortable as <laughs> I was feeling right now. But, but, but bruh. Have you heard of soap? Have you heard of water? Have you heard of deodorant? Have you heard of Axe body spray, aka shower in a can? Have you heard of any of those things? That bad, huh? It, it was it was that horrible. I'm like, bruh, you you giving everybody here halitosis. We all about to pass out and die in here. So beam me up, Scotty, is what needed to happen. Yes, yes. I it's like I'm. I was so close to just going like, all right, let me see if I can find like another seat to move to. And the only problem was that the only seats available were literally at the front where my neck would go 90 degrees. So I, I can't have that. So I just had to sit there and take it. Oh, you were truly a trooper for those two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I, transitioning from that depression, I'm Demetrius. And I'm Demetrius. <laughs> and Meech and Meech presents the Blurred City Podcast. All right, so we're going to have get into our Note movie review, Jordan Peele's latest film. Uh, just talk about the ins and outs of that. Also, we're going to do a deep dive into just uh, black horror films and t- getting into those spaces as well. We're going to have a really fun time, get into all types of theories and also just speculation based around the movie. But before we do that, as usual, we're going to hit you with the legal spiegel. So, the purpose of this podcast is to explore digital and print media. Our respective sources we reference are owned by their respective companies, and our thoughts and opinions are strictly our own and do not reflect any biases or corporate agendas. Your discretion is advised. Nice. So next we're going to get into our What's Hot. Um, Right now we're recording on Saturday during the midst of the San Diego official Comic-Con. So there may be some things that we might miss trailer-wise, but going from there, we're just going to see what's heating up, and we're going to get into What's Hot. So what you got? Oh man, uh, as you mentioned, San Diego Comic Con is is really out here right now. Uh, and and when you're listening to this, you'll probably hear like all about it. But like, here's just some things that like I pretty much noticed from the announcements. You know, like the announcements of I Am Groot, uh, Spider Man Freshman Year, which like the art style was like uh, okay. I see you, you harkening back to the old '60s days of Spider Man. I, I see you. I see you. Uh, and then the one thing I was not expecting, but I am totally hyped for, is Todd McFarlane announced Spawn Batman, Ooh. a crossover that hadn't happened in over 30 years since the second crossover. I am hyped for that. You do not understand the level of hype I am at right now, especially drawn by Greg Capullo, who is an absolute goat at, uh, <laughs> at drawing Batman. And it's Bond. Like, I, this, 
And it's coming out in December, too. Come on, man. Blessings. So what I saw, uh, obviously, Nope, which is what we're doing the movie review for. But new trailer for House of the Dragon, also Rings of Power. No, Christopher Nolan is back with Oppenheim, yeah. uh, which will come out next year. And then also there was a teaser for John Wick 4, which is going to go crazy. <laughs> we, about to, we about to eat. But, but forget all that for a sec. So I've been wanting to tell you about this for like, since we recorded last week when I started reading it. I opened the green door and I oh. saw the one below all. Oh. The Immortal Hulk is one of the greatest comics I have ever read. Oh, you... Who you, who you telling right now, bro? bro I'm like on 18 uh, right now. And let me tell you, like, last night I was reading it and I, they said, um, my name is Joe. And I almost flipped out when I saw it. <laughs> I was like, ain't no way Joe fix it in this comic. But yeah, yeah, incredible. I can't wait to finish that. Oh, he ain't just incredible. He an immortal, he a demon, he a devil, he, he out here. Immortal. We need to have an episode of Immortal Hulk. 100%. Character analysis. But yeah, just going from there, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super hyped for that. And other things that we will probably see during uh, Comic-Con come out. We're going to get back into one of my favorite segments, Random Fan Theory of the Week. So we want this to eventually be also a segment where fans can submit their Random Fan Theories of the Week Keep it mostly based on uh, comics, gaming, anime, nothing outlandish. But since we are doing Nope, which was a quote-unquote extraterrestrial movie, we're about to get wild. So meet what you got for us. Oh, man. Okay, so for my random fan theory of the week, it's... Less about uh, like nope and aliens and more about like another one of Jordan Peele's properties. It's about us. Ooh. And specifically in connection with another franchise, the Halloween franchise. Okay. So what if the Michael Myers that you see slaughtering everybody, the one that's out here killing folks, got himself numerous bodies. What if he was one of the tethered? Mm. Like, what if he got replaced as a child, and on that Halloween night was the night that he murdered uh, his sister? So, here's my connections, right? Firstly, using a knife, which is similar to how they did tether, we're all using sharp objects, uh -huh. specifically scissors, but because they didn't have knives, but hey, you're using a knife. Two, he never spoke a word. Okay. And then three, his outfit as an adult was a jumpsuit, mm. a different color jumpsuit. Instead of being red, it's blue, but the connection is still there. Like, I'm just like, oh, my goodness. How, how have I not seen the dots connect like that? That's interesting. So, yeah, Michael Myers was one of the tethered. The real Michael Myers is probably underground. Oh, and speaking of underground, Halloween Resurrection actually uh, showed that there was an underground tunnel underneath the Myers home. Okay. So similar to how there was an underground tunnel where all the tethered lived. Man, I'm just killed. Speaking of which, Halloween has a new trailer, Halloween Ends. Yes, which is why I'm connecting all of it together. But yes, that, that's my fan theory of the week. Nice. For me, it's about to get a little bit wild. Oh, let's no. let's get our tinfoil hats on. So I, based on the movie and life in general, aliens are already here. So, yeah. Yeah. so, but 
instead of like, oh, presently, I think they're from the future and they're uh-huh. observing us. So what? I'm going with the interstellar theory where oh. <laughs> rock with me here. So in interstellar, they sent, well, they found a wormhole. They're like, why is this wormhole here? It was people from the future that sent the wormhole back to the people in the present. And we were able to <laughs> like that. So wow. the aliens are already here, and yes, observing us. And plus, uh, Clark's third law: any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So with that, I believe the technology is already here to observe us. Where did where did the magic come? Wait, where's the magic? Wormholes. The wor- I ain't never seen a wormhole a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just saw the new telescope, right? Oh, yeah. And then also, why are we assuming that the aliens are like Star Wars, Star Trek aliens? Aliens could easily just be like rock organisms. I mean, so you're saying that this uh, this granite countertop could be an alien? Right? Potentially. I mean, what if we're the aliens? I mean, I'm gonna deny that one. Like, I'm already half alien with my symbiote, but uh, but 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 we we but you're wilding right now, boy. <laughs> well, now that like half the people turn the podcast off, we are going to transition into our nope movie review. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep it in character. Nope. All right. Nope. All right. So, do you want to just kind of head us off with the recap? Oh, yes, yes. So, Nope is a, another Jordan Peele movie. You know, it's a, another horror movie. You know, start by black people, made for us black people. I, I love it. But, uh, but yeah, so going into the recap, we start off, actually, it started off so, it, so uh, out of left field for me. I was like, am I watching the same movie right now? Because mm-hmm. it starts with a chim- chimpanzee beating a person to death. Yep. And then it just the mash cuts to uh to our boy Daniel and or OJ. Yeah. Our boy OJ and uh his daddy Keith David, aka Spawn, uh, <laughs> and Goliath. Uh, I got I gotta get the representation there. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, so like they're just pretty much wrangling horses and there's like one specific horse that daddy's riding on. OJ looking like he just he just rolling, uh, rolling with the wind, you know. He just, he just like on autopilot, and then suddenly it starts raining. It starts raining uh, objects. Uh, at first, it was like I thought it was raining money. Or I was thinking like, oh Lord, that's a blessing in disguise. And then uh, it, it turned out to not be that because not only did the horse get stabbed with the key, mm-hmm. Daddy got hit with the with the nickel through the eye. Yeah, at first I thought it was like hail, just like randomly falling from the sky and then like when they went to the hospital um and like they do the mri and you just see like the quarter quarter and nickel and i'm like oh my gosh what what's going on here yeah my, and and unfortunately that that nickel took our boy chief david out he he gone he yeah. gone for the rest of the movie so fast forward six months and now we see oj he is using the horses uh they're part of commercial so they're like hollywood horses essentially uh, they're at a movie, well, a commercial shoot, and he's like very just kind of out of it. He's not very social, to be honest with you. So he's waiting for his sister, Emerald Haywood Kiki Palmer, who smashed it in this role. Uh, but essentially, the horse kind of freaks out, and then they lose the gig. And so then he transitions to the we transition to Jupiter's claim, where we meet Stephen Yoon. 
Ah, uh, yes, Glenn. Glenn himself. The legend. So with that, he's like, he used to be a child actor on kind of what we, it ties into the beginning again. He was a child actor on the show called Gordy. And Gordy was the show where the chimpanzee went absolutely crazy. So we're, with that, OJ is selling horses to, in this movie's called Ricky, um, just to try to get money, keep the ranch going. But we also find out that Ricky is trying to buy the ranch. Yeah, and all this time, it seems like uh, our brother and sister, OJ and Emerald, they they kind of beefing a bit, mostly because it seems like uh, she's, like, not there. You know, she like she's off doing, like, her own side adventures, her own side gigs and whatnot, not being there on the farm with... Uh, with OJ and Daddy when uh, when he got when they got when he got got uh, but and it and they seems to kind of blow over a bit you know like how typical siblings do which I, I actually really liked but we're gonna get more into the sibling relationship later yeah it's funny that she's like that one person that has like seven jobs but no W two forms <sighs> all like all the jobs in the world and it still ain't got no cash I'm just like <laughs> How houseway, and from there, uh, essentially they they're out, you know, just just doing their own thing. Like OJ went out to the barn to tend to one of the horses who's out in the field. While mm-hmm. Kiki, she's a uh, she's up in the jamming. She's up here jamming to some tunes, like with the with it on full blast. I'm pretty sure if they had neighbors, they'd receive like 10,000 noise complaints. 100%, yeah. But, uh, but unfortunately, like the power starts like going out and, and if, and you start thinking like, okay, it, that may not be weird. You're like, you know, power goes out all the time. Right. Except for the part where something is up in the sky. Yes. So like this circular disc like object just kind of, floating above the clouds you can kind of see the shape and outline of it but it's not very clear at first but then the horse i believe was ghost was the first first horse just starts freaking out and booking it absolutely taking off um and oj can't find him uh but as that as the horse runs eventually he just gets snatched up and you hear one of the most just horrible noises of just like screaming that just sounds of not of this world yeah, that was some uh, straight out of Lovecraft horror where uh, where essentially this thing, right, or whatever it is, like the sound of it sounds like people screaming. Yeah. And screaming, not just like yelling like how you just normally do if you get mad or what. No, no. these are screams of terror, like like as if these are like these people's last moments type of scream. Exactly. Which, uh, spoiler alert. Completely was. Yeah, so then we see a quick flash of this object, and it looks like a flying saucer. So then it, it just zooms between two clouds, and we're like, oh, whoa, so that's a spaceship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward, he goes back to his sis Emerald, and they're like, hey, let's get the shot. Let's get the Oprah shot. So, you know, as we see a lot of UFO sightings, which proves my theory earlier, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but just going for it, they want to get the shot. And with that, so they go to recruiting and <laughs> this funny character, Angel, is also uh, part of my team of 
believers but he then he's like very nosy um as they install oh yes and and don't forget he he works at fry electronics which uh r.i.p to the last location here um in our in our city but but you know like he's going up he's installing stuff but uh you can tell like he he really he really just wants to be there for uh for for whatever goes down because mm-hmm. he he all for it and and you know they they just wait so like they wait till nightfall shows and oh oh i forgot to mention right before that kiki's like she leaves yep. Emma leaves and then right as uh angel installs everything she comes back with a giant like wooden horse mm-hmm. with like flags attached to it with flags attached to it and then you see See Ricky, aka Glenn, just pop up, and you're just like, "No, she did not." <laughs> just steal their. <laughs> she did not just just do that, and yes, yes, she did. She stole their wooden horse from their uh from their little amusement park mm-hmm. to just place out in the field as kind of like a test dummy. Yeah, and and then night roll, and of course Ooh. night rolls around. Uh, things things go sideways real quickly because uh, firstly on one of the cameras a grasshopper no it was praying, praying mantis, mantis. Yeah. but that was the second fake out yes <laughs> yes the praying mantis like pops up on the camera and you think that then and then like OJ he's out in the barn mm-hmm. and you uh and like he's checking up on the power on the power because mm-hmm. like it started going out again and then you start seeing this critter just pop up. <laughs> My theater lost their collective mind. Bro, he, he like cut it off. He cut the power off and then he walked away. And then he it cut right back on. And then like it shows from his perspective and like he's just looking and you don't see anything. I promise you, you do not see no, anything. It's like pitch black. And then just something just stands up and you're like, oh, this is what we doing. The aliens are here. <laughs> oh, no, no, but it gets worse. Cause like as he getting like his phone out and he's backing away, Cause like there's like an opening right next to the other one. This second one just pops out of like on sideways. I'm just like, oh no, heck no. But, <laughs> yeah. So then like uh, he backs away, and then that second one peeps out behind like a post fence. But then we flip the perspective, and there's another one that's hanging upside down, looking at him, and he punches it dead in the she face. He gave the perfect reaction, the same reaction I would. If I didn't have that strap on me, because <laughs> that definitely would have gotten popped right then and there. But turns out they they were not uh, aliens. That was the fake out. Like they were actually kids who worked at the Jupiter's claim. Mm-hmm. They were actually Ricky's kids. Yeah. So they were trying to get revenge for stealing the horse. But then things get out of hand going from there. So we get into kind of like we rise into the um, the main point of the plot where uh the extraterrestrial uh plane saucer at the time takes the horse and it just like the fake horse and it starts making that awful noise again but you can kind of see it in the air because the flags hang out from it um so then from there we transition to another day angel kind of he gets more involved and they decide hey we need to recruit this uh filmmaker that we saw in the commercial shoot yep mr atlas uh and he has probably one of the most baritone voices like it was so smooth i was like yes sir yes sir i'm here for it uh give me that goliath uh type voice since you took out keith david but uh 
but yeah, so like they Emerald's trying to like convince him to go for the shoot because he he pretty much like pull takes her out. Well, he doesn't take her up on the offer because like eh, the impossible shot that's impossible, mm-hmm. and so so they just try again. They they try filming it. Well, they try their best to like film it all once again and. Uh, things also go sideways once again, especially uh, when it comes time for the Jupiter uh, claim scene. Yeah, so before we get into that, so then they show the scene, which is so interesting with like Gordy and the um, the chimpanzee, like Jordan Peele has like a real fascination with like using animals for some reason, like in Get Out, we see the deer from the beginning, and then in Us, we see the rabbits throughout, and then in this one, we see the chimpanzee. I'm I think I know how it ties in based on like what we get into later in the review, but we see that whole scene play out. So essentially it's like uh, balloons pop and then the chimpanzee loses its absolute mind and starts killing while well, attacking everybody ends up killing the mom on the sitcom and ends up killing the dad as well. But tying that into the beginning, we see the horse. It freaks out because it uh, it has its own reflection because one of the sound people or tech people aren't like careful. Um, so that kind of ties into just like the animal loosens its control. So we see a little Ricky, little Jupiter, hiding underneath the kind of like a table yeah, curtain. Yeah, a table. And oh my gosh! So like the you see like a extended scene of the chimpanzee just like beating the legs of the mom, chases down the dad, and then it cuts back to the scene from the very opening of the movie where it's like the chimpanzee looks and. At the beginning of the movie, it looks like he's looking at you, which is like, what's what's happening here? But in it, it's like he's looking at uh, Ricky, and it looks like he's about to attack him again. Yeah, it looked like he it looked like we were about to see another body get caught. But uh, if you remember, it's the fact that like you saw him older, so you know it, it worked out for him. Right. And here's the interesting bit: is that like the monkey, like he or the chimpanzee, like Gordy, he pretty much he doesn't. Because it looks like he was about to go for the kill because, you know, he had the blood on his hand, the blood on his mouth. But instead, it just goes out for the fifth bump that it normally does on the set of the show mm-hmm. for Ricky. And then right, right as Ricky was about to give him that fist bump, uh, he pretty much he gets taken out by 12. He went out like Harambe, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get into that one. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, RIP to Harambe. Yeah, they straight snipe uh, little Gordy, the chimpanzee. Mm-hmm. But then it cuts back to uh, Ricky as an adult. So he's having the show at Jupiter's Claim. And apparently throughout the whole six months, it kind of ties in again, where I really appreciate uh, Jordan Peele's attentiveness to the story. So apparently he's buying the horses so that he can feed them to the saucer at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's having the show. We see uh, just like a lot of people at the show. And then he's like, okay, we have the horse Lucky. And he opens it for him. He's like, all right, go running. And then we'll feed it to the flying saucer. And the flying saucer is not having any of it. Oh, no. Like, this, this is probably, probably one of the one of the best moments in the movie because uh, Lucky, he, he was not stepping out of that box at all. Nope. Lucky, Lucky knew better. <laughs> and, and it also worked because he was the black horse, too. So, like, I mean... Again, black people like we. He was just like, nope. Like, Lucky wanted no smoke. He, he wanted none of it. But uh, apparently, everybody else did, including the deformed uh, co-host of that of the Gordy Show, the yes. ones, the other one who lived, and the one that you guys all saw in the trailers. You know, the one yes. that looked completely mangled. And we can talk about this like. 
this is what I really like about subverting expectations. Like it ties into the scene essentially. So like when we watch the trailer and we see like the kid underneath the table and we see the hand creeping, you think, oh, it's an alien. Mm -hmm. Um, an alien is coming for the kid. When we see the mangled face, after seeing the Gordy scene, we understand that the chimpanzee probably attacked her and like destroyed her face. But in that you think it's an alien. Yeah. You're like, okay, an alien's among us. And then just from this scene, so like everybody gets snatched up because they start looking at the flying saucer. But um, once OJ gets there and everybody's gone, they already mentioned earlier in the movie, it doesn't fly like, it doesn't move like a ship. Like it seems unnatural. Mm -hmm. And then it uh, more or less attacks Lucky and OJ at the time. And we realize it's actually an uh, entity. Yeah, it's hard to describe it. It's more, it's more of an animal and less a ship. Yeah, like... Like, it's not a ship, it's actually a live. Like, yes. it's actually, like, as you mentioned, an animal, which is actually what OJ pretty much compares it to. It's like a territorial animal. Right. And he learns that, like, hey, if you don't stare directly at it, it'll leave you alone. Yeah, so we get, like, flashes throughout of uh, just, like, his dad teaching him about horses throughout that kind of help get to that point. Mm-hmm. So, like, from there, uh, from there, it's like, okay, OJ, he got lucky, and he's taking them back to the ranch. Uh, but unfortunately, the 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 UFO entity it it's already at the ranch on top of the house, mm -hmm. and it starts a uh, starts vomiting. We also have to talk about the scene where he takes up the people, uh, all the spectators, where it actually shows what happened when you get um. Oh, oh, oh my goodness! Yes, yes. Well, it was like because when it gets absorbed, it kind of it looks weird on the inside at first. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Honestly, it's like if you were to be inside like a blimp, maybe. Yeah, or like in you're like in a bounce house, right? And like all the walls are like super right through yeah. each other. You're trying to like crawl your way through. But once you go higher from that, and just like the scene of seeing all the bodies float up, you just see then uh, Ricky's wife just like banging on something. She's screaming and screaming. And it looks like, like when I saw it, it's like, are they being digested? And this is before we find out it's an animal. And then it turns out like once that vomiting scene happens, you're like, oh, it is an animal, and it is pissed off. Yes, and and also, and it's so horrifying too, because like you just see one of the bodies, or like a face in the wall, and it's like scream, and like it's like in a screaming position. You're just like, oh nah, nah, that ain't how I want to go out. <laughs> yeah, this was the most terrifying scene, um, in the well, in the movie to me, because like it kind of just like carried on from there. So like they're in the house, and like all the electricity is gone. So Emerald and Angel are like stuck, and then also just like with OJ when he finally arrives, but the car, it breaks down. Well, it doesn't break down, but it loses power. Mm -hmm. And the rain over him just stops. And you're like, oh, did it stop raining? But no. <laughs> All right. But, but before that, as I said, like it starts vomiting. It's vomiting blood on top of the entire house. It looks straight out of uh, Amityville Horror. Of course, you get like all the inorganic bits like coming out, you know, like coins, right? Uh, coins, keys, and that's where they learn like, oh, that thing does not like a, does not like inorganic, inorganic matter. Yeah. And as they like, oh, does he? OJ, he is in the truck, right? And he just he just takes one step out, like as like the rain stops. Mm -hmm. he, he takes one step out. He looks up and he realizes it's above him. He just goes. He just closes it right back up. I'm like, again, he has the most black reaction. Like, nope. He literally I'm, says nope. He's like, nope, I'm staying right in here. And he literally so leaps in the... But the, the, um, 
they name it later, but the entity, it drops the horse from earlier, the wooden horse right on the car. And like, it's, it drops in the passenger side, but if it dropped in the driver's side, it would have killed him. I was like, I was like, Come on, man. You cannot catch a break. But the crazy thing, it felt so intentional that it dropped it there. Like, it knew what it was about to drop out. So, yeah, like, when he wakes up in the morning, okay, like, the power starts coming back onto the cars. And then Emerald and Angel are, like, trying, debating whether they should leave the house or not. And then OJ gets out of the car, and he sees the tech car. And he starts moving to the house at first. But then the power starts going out again. Mm-hmm. And, and and again, he, he starts pulling some black maneuvers like, listen, I'm going to get to this car, to this tech car from Prize Electronics. Mm-hmm. Um, hashtag not sponsored. But uh, and then I will it's like, I'm get you guys. You guys just come out and start bomb rushing to it so we can drive out of here. Yeah. So like he has his eye, eyes down, essentially eyes closed. And he's just like tapping his leg and it's like come on come on come on come on and it's like this is where like we kind of realize that okay don't look at it and it won't suck you up which is like it's crazy because like when we um see it in the trailer they do mention you're not supposed like a lot of the mention is don't look at it don't look at it but now we know why you're not supposed to Mm -hmm. and yeah from there they they leave they leave the whole property they leave everybody they leave lucky they leave everything mm-hmm. and they say like you know what we, we ain't gonna deal with this <laughs> like there's more trouble than it's worth yep so yeah. just yeah then moving forward then angel he he sees it because it's starting to become a big news story uh the the famous like kind of photographer videographer person pretty and he gets recruited yeah yeah and then we how, uh yeah. it was basically disappointing how all the people were disappeared. Yeah. That's what it was mostly the story. Mm-hmm. So, th- well, then they also noticed that why it's not actually a, well, it's an alien entity is that it hides behind a cloud that doesn't move. So, like, it hasn't moved for, like, six months. So it's like, oh, this is where it's hiding. It's not of this world. Mm-hmm. And But then we just kind of hit into the, uh, the end game of the movie. So they come up with this elaborate plan to get the impossible shot. Yep, yep. So Antlers, he actually has a non-powered camera so that he can use like to get the shot and and like they have their setup and of course they have like a bunch of like whaling playable and playable whaling on two man yep. or two men from the car shop that was like right up the road and and they pretty much have them all basically like strung up around the property kind of to use as a uh like a gauge of where the thing was at because like right. as soon as they just drop that means lost power that's where the thing is located at yep and i'm just gonna call it the thing from now on do not confuse it for the john carpenter movie at this point they do name it jean jacket oh yeah that's right right at that point they yeah they gave it the name jean jacket <laughs> why i don't know but yes uh, it was whatever so <laughs> wherever jean jacket goes that's where the power is going and essentially OJ is gonna like use Lucky to basically like like go up and try to lure him, mm-hmm. like lure a Jean Jacket into getting that perfect shot. And at first things start like going uh It doesn't even start. That's the crazy thing. At first things start uh just going sideways immediately. <laughs> immediately. Because of a certain character just shows up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like he he got like an electric uh bike he he has like just a gold I mean a silver uh like a silver helmet on looking like he he cosplaying Daft Punk and <laughs> an elaborate camera phone setup thing mm-hmm. and that's when they learned oh snap 
TMZ. Mm-hmm. Like he, TMZ is here to try to get the story before us. Yep. And he he and he just starts driving through the property trying to get that shot. Uh, unfortunately for whom he did he did not realize what was really good out here in these streets. <laughs> yep. When. Because as soon as he got within uh, Jean Jacket's range, that bike powered straight off and he went flying off the bike, breaking both his legs oh, and his arms. I I fell out laughing. <laughs> I fell out laughing. I was like, look, see, this is what happens when you don't stay in your lane. My theater was laughing too, yeah. That's what happens when you don't stay in your lane. So, so essentially the plan goes... Goes just goes completely sideways. So OJ, he basically has to go and try to save him. <laughs> Keyword being try because uh, all this time this guy's turning like, hey, where's my camera? At? I love this scene so like, much. Where's my camera, bro? And, and OJ like, listen, bro, you you have more concerns than your <laughs> stupid camera. He's, and then like uh Jean Jacket starts coming because like we see like on his helmet, like it looks like he's looking at him essentially, and OJ was like, It's been good, my guy. I gotta get up out of here. Yep, yep. It was like, hey, you it's like, hey, you gonna be part of the plan one way or another. So uh, <laughs> so yeah, old boy gets sucked up into the into the high heavens. So then we just see like a really cool scene where OJ he's just running from Jean Jacket, and oh my goodness, this was just incredibly shot. Um, this, the different, the way they had Jean Jacket move, uh, you like caught basically everything. Like, so then it's like, okay, that was the perfect plan. But then Angel, he, he just like, he gets out of pocket a little bit, you know, as an artist, it's easy to kind of go to that extra level. And he's like, they don't deserve the perfect shot. So then he goes like out of their hiding spot where they were, takes his camera up on a hill and he looks directly at Jean Jacket. And at this point... Jean Jacket starts wilding out because he sucks up Angel, who had like oh, a, antlers. Antlers, my bad. He sucks up antlers, who had like an, an incredible um, shot of himself getting sucked up. And it's crazy. He's the only person that didn't scream when he got sucked up. Yeah, yeah. He was a uh, he was so mesmerized by getting the shot that he's willing to put his life on the line. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, that that might be symbolism. I might be reading too much into it, but. Uh, <laughs> But again, this is a Jordan Peele movie, so there's there's never enough reading into this movie. Yeah, so just from there, then, um, yeah, it kind of, when he's doing that, he ruins their entire setup, so they lose the film. Um, just kind of, the cameras go all over the place. Angel had a really cool scene that I'll talk about later. Um, we give out our awards, how he saved himself. And then also just, uh, oh my gosh, so then Kiki Palmer Emerald, she's no longer safe. Because um, at this point, just Jean Jack is going crazy. But then it it's starts to everybody. It everything. just starts to transform. And I have a question for you. And I immediately thought of you once it started transforming. Was this Lovecraftian enough for you? Oh, yeah, 100%. Because we had no idea where it comes from. It it was like pretty much un, indescribable because we don't know like it. Because it's like, what is this? What does this look like? I know. I, like the best comparison I was going to give was like, it looked like he was trying to become a butterfly with ribbons. Yeah, it was just strange. It was like even like when I saw it, like when it got to almost its full form, I was like, maybe it looks like a lady because like it looked like it had a dress at the bottom and like the top part is kind of like a nope. overarching thing in a sense, but like it didn't have any face and like no it didn't have form. a mouth. But like its mouth was like this weird like 
box thing. Like I, I don't like an old school camera where mm-hmm. you like had to like put the like cover over it. But essentially from there, uh, yeah, Emerald's on the run. OJ's on the run. Everything's just like falling apart. And she, so he tells her to get on the bike and go. And oh my gosh, I, I felt this scene so much. And we're going to get into brother and sister, well, sibling relationships in general, but he's like unlucky and he like he starts looking up at it so he can draw it away because like the pike doesn't have any power so she can't turn it on and get away mm-hmm. and it's just like it's so tense because i'm like oh is he about to get sucked up she's literally about to watch her brother die in front of her yeah. and then he's like yo i'm not about to let my sister die and it's just like it's so tense because it just goes so slow um and like he's backing away he's looking at it but then he's like looking down at her and then he does like uh the point at like i see you like they do early in the movie and oh my gosh but then we don't know what happens to him for like the longest time but she's mm-hmm. able to get away and then get into like the end of the movie yes yeah it was really it was really heartbreaking because especially because of the music too it was yeah like, i was like come on now but uh, i was like dang brother another brother gone but uh yeah so emerald she pretty much gets to jupiter's claim you know with the uh, jean jacket right behind her and she basically like has this like ultimate plan to get get it so like she releases essentially like one of the large uh air balloons mm-hmm. that was look like a person because like okay this is gonna force it to try to eat it mm-hmm. and and like hey you may never know what happens to it but but like early in the movie she sees like there's this well that's actually a camera right so she gets a bunch of the coins that was like on the ground from when the people got uh sucked up and she like used it to try to get the shot of it and every time she kept trying to do it like she failed because of the fact that it'd go off before jean jacket would pop in to try it was crazy that scene because i didn't know until the very end of the movie that's what she was trying to do at first i thought she was trying to get um its attention um because like she let go of the inflated balloon and then you see like jean jacket is like investigating the balloon not necessarily eating it so when she's doing it i was like okay if it flashes it might catch his attention but like yeah like you were saying not until the end of the movie i didn't know that's what she was trying to capture yeah 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 uh, uh and then from there right she well it goes in it eats it and of course it being inorganic and it's also filled with hot air it just pops mm-hmm. and and jean jacket pops and essentially dies mm-hmm. i'm like uh so so that's how it get taken out okay i mean hey, that was wild yeah it's like hey I would, uh, but but hey she she managed to get the shot and she got the picture to prove, to prove it but all the reporters start coming in no because they all thought too from right. the background but i don't think that they would have been able to capture like in its full majesty because you don't see the reporters come until it's like uh basically a popped balloon Mm, yeah yeah that too but but the best but one of the greatest moments is where like she's looking up and then you see in the dust you see our boy oj on lucky he's like like yeah i lived i am him i am him i am him he is me it was crazy like because at first i heard the horse steps and then she like because she had her eyes closed and then she looked out and then at first I thought we were just going to hear the horse steps and not see um, not see him. Mm-hmm. And that's how the movie was going to end. And I was like, the stress. But then they showed and I was like, ah, dope. So yeah, that, that was our movie review. So we can just like branch out from there.
All right, so coming from there, it's like let's get into like what some of the social commentary in this movie was. Yeah, I well, like in the Q and A session that we saw before the movie, he kind of talked about sensationalism in a sense, or like we saw like okay, getting the perfect shot, and I think that TMZ guy kind of hit it home, I guess, before that part. Where it's just like, oh, I'm literally about to die. It's like, get my camera, get my camera. And then also the people at Jupiter's claim where it's like they wanted to see the spectacle. That was a word that they used a lot in the Q&A session was the spectacle. And none of them moved. Like, Lucky was the only one that didn't, like, leave. And he survived. And the rest of them got sucked up. So, and then also they talked about how Ricky, he was trying to essentially not control Jean Jacket, but, like, make a pack with it, in a sense, and that ended up being his ultimate downfall. I don't even think he was trying to make a pack with it. I think he was just trying to make use a, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much, like, make as much use out of it as possible. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, going into this topic of just, uh, just, as you said, sensationalism and everybody, you know, being so consumed with uh, trying to, like, be part of the story or trying to, like, be the first ones to get the story, right? Yeah. And like, what does that end up costing you? Um, I know like, I know like in these landscapes, it's like, okay, like everybody wants to like be there when, uh, when everything just goes down. Yeah. And like, I, I get that. I, I think that's kind of like a similar thing or, or like somewhat of like what, how, and especially true because uh, like whenever there's car crashes and whatnot, people tend, there's going to be like a lot of traffic because people, necking. yeah, mm-hmm. because people like to slow down and take a look at look at what happened. That's true. Uh, I think it's and like hey, and in this age where everything you can get through your phone, through right. a camera, it's like all that's much more accessible now than it ever was. Yeah, and it's kind of easy to be like, oh, like our people would never do that, but then we got the videos of like the leprechaun in a tree, <laughs> that one, and the sensationalism of it where we're kind of like hyping it up or whatever. But yeah, I think that was a big thing. I'm not really sure what else. It was really straightforward movie to me, um, but there's like a lot of stuff that we could definitely pull from it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like the... <laughs> As you said, like, the sensationalism, especially with the monkey Gordy. Yeah, yeah. Like, he is like, hey, they were trying to uh, market this uh, monkey. And, uh, hey, what, what what you know, uh, it ended up catching with, ended up ending with a couple bodies. Yeah, I really like, again, like, we talked about the animals that he used. So they used the horse and then the chimpanzee to connect it to uh, Jean Jacket, where it's like, the behaviors of these animals were affected because of these certain environmental factors so like that affected how we could manipulate jean jacket in a sense mm-hmm. and and manipulated they did they <laughs> yeah. manipulated that thing to its death but uh i think that also gets to show like pretty much kind of how in the society like that's why like humans are kind of like higher up in the food chain because like hey we may not be the strongest animal around or the or the most like uh physically deadly but Mm -hmm. it's our intelligence that makes us more uh makes us the the top of the food chain and our thumbs yeah and our thumbs and our thumbs too (laughs) but uh but yeah it's also our intelligence and and yeah it's like like how do we use that we can use it for for like the good you know to to, you know take out jean jacket or uh, Mm -hmm. to take out that chimpanzee or we or we pretty much become the rickies 
mm-hmm. and try to manipulate it and try to take over, or we become even worse, the TMZs, <laughs> and try to take the story at at, at uh, the cost of our own safety yeah. and lives. Yeah. I know something else, uh, unless you wanted to add more, but that you really wanted to talk about was black sibling relationships. Oh, yes. I was going to get into that next Perfect. because uh, the black sibling relationship between Emerald and OJ, it was... It was rock solid. It was it was perfect because uh like when I was looking at that movie, I was like, OJ is literally me. <laughs> like personality wise, he is me to a T. Like the like the quiet one, pretty much he just goes with the flow, goes with the motions. He pretty much like he just pretty much just does what needs to be done right. and will keep doing it. And then you got Emerald, <laughs> who's literally my sister. <laughs> Because she's the outgoing one. And it's funny too because I believe in the movie, OJ's the older one and Emerald's the younger. And then in my case, it's actually the reverse. Like I'm the I'm kind of the stoic young child, and then she's the outgoing older one. But but yeah, it's like the relationship with them is like super rock solid. Like, hey, despite like the beef that they had in the beginning, like at the end of the day, they family and they love they love one another. Yeah, I really liked it because like they actually felt like real uh, siblings in real life. But it went from that, you know, so it's taking place six months after their dad died. So like they kind of processed it, processed it how they processed it, which I kind of liked that. So it's not directly after. Uh, but you see like he's so like annoyed with her because again like she shows up late to the commercial shoot um she's like flirting during it um and then also like a lot of times he'd be like i got work to, to get done you want to help and she'd be like nope i'm out which is so funny i'm like uh, yeah but that that one scene where i think it was it was when they got back to the ranch and then she was like hey you want to drink or what get into dad's yeah, liquor counter like it's like right when she first gets to yeah the and then he was like i got s- some stash or whatever and then that's when they kind of connected and it, it kind of just reminded me of just like you know sibling relationships in general if you have like a good sibling bond where it's like you are you do have that oh i hate you one moment but then in the next moment it's like ah oh, you're my best friend or something like that so mm-hmm. that's really cool yeah i was like man i really i was like really you you like I know, like for me and my sister, I'd be like, "Man, I you really get on my nerves." And, like I bet I get on her too, but I, I won't let let her get the satisfaction. But like, hey, hey, you want to watch this movie? It's like, bet. And then we just exactly like it's really cool. Like I have every sibling like relationship except for a little brother since I'm like the fifth of six. Uh, yeah. So, but I like I have a little little sister, so that connected with me. Um, I would say like. Typically, I have an OJ personality, but like when I'm with her, I'm more of an Emerald, and that's like one of the times where I'm more outgoing. But that's why the ending scene, uh, where he's like almost sacrificing himself for it, hits so hard to me because mm-hmm. like I feel like if uh, as an older brother with a little sister, um, growing up, your mother is typically or whoever, whatever woman takes care of you is the first woman you love. But your little sister is often the first woman that you have to protect. So that kind of like really connected with me there. But just like what you're saying, where it's like one minute, like you're smacking someone up the side of the head or just like there's this one thing she does where it's like I have my door cracked a little bit and then she would just push it all the way open. So she knows I have to get up and fix it. And it's just like but then in the next moment, we're just like, you know, besties or whatever. So I, I really like that dynamic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Jordan Peele was really on the ball with that one, and I really loved it. 
Um, and I guess like at the end of the day, because like you you actually mentioned it too, like uh, about like how the dynamic works. I don't like to tell you like my sister and myself because she's the older one. She like sees me as something like that she needs to protect. And yet I do the same thing. It's like, hey, I'm going to protect you with all I got because like, because I mean, as of right now, like I'm the taller, more physically stronger of the two of us. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, I don't, need, I don't exactly need your protection anymore. In fact, you need mine more than anything <laughs> else. <laughs> oh man, if you're listening to this right now, I am not sorry. <laughs> but... Like, yeah, hey, at the end of the day, hey, still love you, though. Still yeah, love you. Rock out with our siblings. But from there, not even what we're right, but what were the scariest parts of the movie? Sheesh. Uh, let's see. Definitely that uh, definitely that fake-out alien moment. Because, yes. again, I was just out here like, nah, nah. Hey, how we doing this? Uh, nah, nah, nah. Where's the strap at? Yeah, to- that fake-out moment was kind of, it reminded me of the get-out moment where the dude's running, and then he, like, hits that left turn right in front of him, and you're like, oh, okay, we're good, we're good. Uh, no, no, I run through that. That scene did not uh, end up getting me. I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, it's just a man running at it. Well, they showed it in the trailer, but yeah. Exactly, and they showed it in the trailer. It's like, man. But <laughs> nah, with them aliens, like, nah, fam. But uh, there's that one. I know, like, for me, also the other one was, like, when Jean Jacket was, like, pretty much over the house. Oh, yes. And was vomiting blood on everything. I was like, nah, mm-hmm. nah, I'm gone. <laughs> you wouldn't catch me 50 feet near that house mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. Uh, for me, definitely, whenever Jean Jacket appeared, what they did such a great job is, is that all the sound cut. So it felt like you were uh, in a quiet place almost. So it's like, oh, that sensory deprivation in a sense, like it's kind of like this instinct in my head. I was like, what's going on? What's going on? What's, what's going on? Let's get out of here. So that really just like, for me, all those parts. So yeah, definitely when he uh, was hovering over OJ and then the part where uh, Jean Jacket started transforming, I was just like, what is happening? Because I was like, this thing is angry. <laughs> yeah, it's like, um, oh yeah, no, nah, we we didn't uh, piss it off for the last time, and now it's out for blood. <laughs> so yeah, now that was our movie review and just like branching off. Now we're gonna get into our awards. For our first award. This is The Spotlight is Yours. So it's not supposed to go to the main character, but it does go to a character that steals the show. I'm counting OJ as the main character, so this award is going to Emerald Haywood. Absolutely stole the show in every scene she was in. She brought life to it, just the movie in general, and was like an absolute lightning rod. So like even the first time she came on screen where we see OJ, he's trying to give like the safety tips. And he's just like quiet, mumbling. She comes on, just gives liveliness to the entire movie and the set is from there. So spotlight is yours. Come get your work. All right. So for my award, it is the Stealing Money Award. This goes to a person or an actor who just comes in and with the little amount of time they get, they are just out here. Uh, for me, I had to give it to Keith David because of the fact that, what can I say? It's Keith David. <laughs> it is Goliath. It's Spawn. 
Like, what else is needed? Like, his voice is legendary. He is legendary. Like, and for the amount of time he got, which was, like, at the beginning, and then, like, one other flashback scene in the middle, mm -hmm. you're just like, I'm just like, I, I, I need you. I need you, keep that. Please, stay more, more. <laughs> so, so, yeah, just for getting that bag for as little time as you get, Keep David, come get your award. All right, for our next award, we have a new one, and it's called And That's When My Jaw Dropped. So this goes to a scene that, well, it, as it says, you're just in so much in awe sitting in the theater that your jaw drops and you're left mesmerized. So I'm giving it to Jean Jacket. So when Jean Jacket started transforming at the end, I kid you not, my jaw was dropped because I was just like in awe from the, because I didn't know where it was going. I didn't know if it was going to have a face, which it didn't. I didn't know if it was going to start talking. And it just like got bigger and bigger and more majestic, as we kind of mentioned before. So I was just left in awe. So Jean Jacket, come and suck up this and that's when my jaw dropped award. Pause. Pause on that, but uh, but yes. Also, we're doing something extra special for this award because it is a combo piece. Because these, because this person gets two awards for the exact same thing. So these awards are the Please Die Award and the Biggest Idiot Award, and it goes to nobody else but Mr. TMZ because you had no business being out there. You just decided like to take it upon yourself to try to get the story. And you just uh, decided to not be in your own lane and go and get everybody else. And then when you had your bones broken, you were not thinking like, oh, I might die. Somebody please help. You were thinking, where's my camera? I need to get the shot, sir. There's a time and place for everything, and this was not one of those times. So, sir, come get this combo award mm -hmm. of, all, as I like to call it, the idiot who died. <laughs> so, come get this combo. For this final award, it is the Low-Key Genius Award. This is another new award, but it goes to a character that is actually much smarter than we thought, or at least behaves in a smarter manner at a crucial point in the story. So this goes to Angel. So throughout the movie, the tech guy from Nope, but throughout the movie, we kind of think he's like, he's, you know, very paranoid or whatever, but he's good at technology and kind of connecting everything, but we don't really think he's smart. You know, there's a difference between that. But... Why he gets this award? So when Jean Jacket started losing its absolute mind, he gets covered in tarp, but also barbed wire. And in this scene, um, as Jean Jacket's going, he wraps himself in the barbed wire, which is like a really just like a uh, cringy scene because you see him actually getting sliced up with it. But he wraps himself um, in the barbed wire, but there's the tarp underneath, which kind of protects him. And Jean Jacket sees him uh, looking at him and sucks him up. But we see how it's shot that the barbed wire stretches and then it's like kind of gets taut. So he doesn't get sucked up. And then Jean Jacket flies away and we see he's still on the ground. And it's like, oh, my God, that was so smart. So Angel, come get this low key genius award. Yes, sir.
All right, so now we get into our tiers of the movie. And if you want to read them off for us. Uh, yeah, so for our F tier, we are calling it The Sleep With The Doors Unlocked. Next tier above that is Sleeping Like A Baby. The tier above that, which is our C tier, is Check All The Locks Before Bed. Above that at the B, we got Keeping One Light On. For an A tier, it's Nightmare Inducing. But then the S tier, you got to keep one under the pillow. Mm -hmm. So, what would you give this movie? Oh, so this was tough. Um, so, I, the scariest movie that I've ever seen is Hereditary. Because that made me spill popcorn in the seat. I was curled up. And then I had nightmares for like literal months after it. So, I can't give it an S tier. But since this is our horror tier, I will give it nightmare inducing. There are aspects of it. So this is an A tier movie. Definitely worth going seeing. Definitely something to talk about. But there are definite aspects of it where you're like kind of oh, scared at times. So def A tier nightmare inducing. How about you? Uh, well, as a guy who pretty much loves horror to the end of time and cannot get scared anymore, uh... I'm still giving it the A tier of nightmare inducing because I can see where people will get straight up terrified, especially at that uh, first fake out scene because yes. ain't no way, boy. <laughs> but yeah, so I'll definitely give it an A tier. It's a very great movie. Again, Jordan Peele always keeping the bag and the social commentaries stay fire as always. All right. So going from there, we would get into our sponsor for the day. Howdy y'all, and our today's sponsor is Jupiter's Claim, where you can come down and experience the western lifestyle out here in Hollywood, California. However, we do have a special attraction today with a certain alien named Jean Jacket. If you would like to come and participate in such an attraction, please sign this waiver stating that we are not liable for anything that happens to you. Whether you get sucked up and killed, or you just may never find Jean Jacket ever again. So please come on down to Hollywood, California, next to the Haywood Ranch. We would love to have you here anytime soon, darling. All right, so now this is the part of the podcast where we get our scuba gear on, but for this one, we're gonna also take our cameras with us so we can get the impossible shot. But now it's time for the deep dive. So black and being black in horror movies and shows. Let's begin. Okay. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm about to I'm about to get in on the rants. Alright. See, as the horror guy between the two of us, I would say that like we black folk, we've been getting the short end of the stick for too long, my boy. Like, cause there's just been so many, you know avenues and tropes that are out there that really make it so that uh we black people were we are not looked at in a particularly great light and and also i know it's a horror movie thing where people make bad decisions right but they make it but it's almost even worse so for the black people because we all like in the black community we know better mm -hmm. we know better than to like go out in the woods with friends we know better than to like go wherever the sound is coming from. <laughs> we know better than to not take the strap with us anywhere we go. And yet in movies, they decide to have us do all these things anyway. I'm like, fam, 
this ain't realistic at all. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like going into like one of the biggest tropes in black and horror is the fact that the black guy dies first. Uh, I, I don't know where it came from. I think it's because they met their quota. <laughs> oh man! Oh, don't even get me started on on the tokenism there. But uh, but yeah. So yeah, I don't know where it started from. But uh, typically, in almost any horror movie, like out of like the main cast of people, the black guy is typically one of the earliest people to die. If he ain't the first, he's like either the second or third. He's always goes like within first of the crew almost there's almost no time where oh we have like a black main character and the black main character survives we rarely get that until like very recently i think the one but he was a kid it was one of the friday no not yeah one yeah, of the friday, friday 13 part five. yeah reggie okay. like yeah he survived but again he was a kid yeah that was the thing can we talk about the one that was boxing <laughs> <laughs> he decided he wanted to throw hands with Jason. Jason in Manhattan, I believe. Yep, part eight. Jason takes Manhattan. Julius, he tried to try to run the ones with Jason, and then he come to find out you never try to run the ones with Jason. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to kill this man with an RPG, cause I ain't I ain't going nowhere near him. I don't care. It ain't going in well for you, my boy. And and little did he know. He got his head head blow, blocked off. Bruh. Oh my goodness. Like it, it was it was terrible. It was horrifying. But yeah, I and the thing about it also, it's like they're typically either a jock or they're like the super black nerd where it's like uh bumbling, stumbling, uh think of a CW person behind the computer type of nerd, where it's just like, okay, that's one of the two tropes with it. Um, I'm trying to remember Captain in the Woods, which is a really good parody horror mm-hmm. movie. It's like that's definitely an S-tier movie, just because of what it sets out to accomplish. I don't remember the black guy in the... I haven't seen it in a while. It, was there one in there? Uh, no. Mm. Wait. Oh, I mean, there was a wait, black guy wait, in wait, the wait, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was in there. It was just like he was... Part of the system that was yeah. like... Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. I was like, out of that cat was like, no. Okay, because was... I was like, I remember one, but he wasn't part of the ones that like... were getting killed. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, uh, I know there was a Hispanic guy who was with them, but it, it was no black guy with that crew. But yeah, like in that movie, um, just kind of touching on tropes with it, the Cabin in the Woods does such a great job of exposing every horror trope. And so like it's essentially every country has their own secret underground system that sacrifices teenagers in a specific order to these like elder gods in a sense. And they have to do it with each specific trope. Uh, and just like, even since there wasn't like really a black person in that movie, speaking of which, like that is a big one where it's just like, hey, we have this one black person. They're like maybe the fifth most important character, and then they die. Um, I just even remember in the the latest Friday Thirteenth, like Jason hits the dude with the axe in the spine and oh. then like hugs him. Um, but like you can't really think of like any one from there. And then like how we get boxed out. There aren't a lot of black horror movies. I know that we have a bit like Tales from the Crypt and stuff like that like the, the bt where it's sort of like really those are really actually funny and good to an extent but there's not a lot from that standpoint um and we're going to get into kind of just the importance of it but yeah we definitely wanted to touch on that oh oh and there's also one movie i actually uh neglect to mention that is actually really messed up it's night of the living dead Ooh. the original yeah you're right you're right 
a, a black guy was in it and he lived and like he survived everything yeah. only to be killed by the, the white folk. Um, I know George Romero was in his social commentary bag and like it was supposed to make a point, but bruh, I'm I'm still upset by that movie to this day. Yeah, I because I remember that because I remember um just like he was like literally saving everybody ascension and then just kind of like goes with that. I know in the Purge, uh, I haven't watched any of the Purge movies, but I know like a black guy was like he kind of kickstarted that movie. Yeah, he kickstarted the first one and then he ends up becoming part of the resistance group that pretty much assisted everybody in the second, third, and last one. Yeah, so like we just really just kind of want to point out that you can't think of a lot of ones, and which is why it's so important with Jordan Peele. And not even just like the black person is the monster or something like that, but like a black main character navigating. And what you talked about, like doing stupid stuff, none of his characters really do anything stupid in any of the movies. So if you think about Get Out, um, Lakeith Stanfield, I don't remember his uh, his uh, character name, but he just gets snatched up at the beginning of the movie. But he like he sees the car and he's like, nope. nope. And he turns around and he walks away, but he still gets snatched up. I, I think the car pulls in front of him. Yes. Okay, so that's why he couldn't get away. And then they like essentially Novocaine him. Um, chloroform. And so then in Us, the Black family, like they go on a like, they like, oh, y'all not about to take us out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the mom kind of, but she was a kid then, so it's kind of, it depends on how you want to frame that, but like, she doesn't do anything stupid. Like, nobody does anything stupid in that movie. And then in this movie, where it is kind of like, you see the trope of, oh, where it's like, you said earlier, we don't want to follow the noise or something. This is the one movie where it does kind of go that way, where it's like, oh, we want to get the UFO shot, but at the same time, they don't, like, they have a plan. They don't do anything stupid. And then you see OJ using his knowledge of animals to then go, let's not look at it. Let's like, this is how we can navigate it. Like being smart. Yes. Essentially doing what they can to survive and make sure at the end of the day, they still alive. Right. And that's, that's the key things. Like most characters in these movies, they do stuff that will get them killed or they just, or they just make just terrible decisions overall that you just like, this is not going to end well for you, my boy. There's that one commercial that does that. I don't remember. I think it's like an insurance commercial, but it's essentially, it's like, oh, let's hide. Where do we go? Let's hide behind the chainsaws. Oh, yeah. I think it was a, uh, I think it was a progressive. I think it was, a, it, it was it an insurance. Like, yeah, it was definitely insurance. And then it's like, uh, what do we do? Should we uh, run into like the field or do we take the car? And it's like, what are you, crazy? Let's run into the field. <laughs> like, Ain't no way. So, yeah, just from there, we can get into the importance of certain movies. Oh, yes, yes. So the first one I actually wanted to touch on was Candyman. Both the original movie as well as the 2021, uh, like, requel. Yeah. (laughs) Listen, I... Trademark that word. That's what we got to do. I was like, requel. Uh, you know, as much as I hate hate that one, this is one of the movies that is actually, it works. Okay, I want to actually see the new one. Yeah, so, essentially, like, uh, as I said, this was just a movie where, like, the original was pretty much a commentary on not only black culture, but du- during that time, if I recall correctly, there was, like, this housing project that was, like, going real sideways in Chicago, and it basically, it not only took place in that community, Kaberry Green, okay. uh, it took place in that community. You also see like the black community and like what they did because like even though the main character is a white lady, like and of course she does some pretty uh 
pretty uh, terrible decision making. Mm. I mean, egregious. Yes, yes. I mean, why would you say his name? But, uh, <laughs> but like, yeah. At the end of the day, it's like, yeah. This one was like celebrating like black culture and also bringing to light exposure on a issue that was pretty much rampant in the original. Yeah. And I want to give love to. I had to look up the actor uh, Tony Todd, I believe, who plays Candyman. Go. Absolutely, does an incredible job, and like just like has the voice, the face, the demeanor. He he does a really great job. Like we can't think again. Like we mentioned, a lot of black monster characters are just like uh, killers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But he did such a great job in it. Yep, yep. And then the twenty twenty one remake it requel uh, does a similar thing to the original, except this time it's like, oh, it's about gentrification mm-hmm. as well as like black generational trauma mm-hmm. and i believe jordan pill he didn't direct it but he is like a he's part like a, of the project he's a co-producer on okay that one. yeah so yeah you see from there and then a, a tv show that i really appreciated based off a book is lovecraft country Ooh. uh lovecraft country is really good um the one thing i will have to say it, it has nothing to do with the actual show but it came out essentially during 2020 so this was the height of a lot of sh- social injustice and stuff like that and it also came out in the time of i would say uh i think it was umbrella academy season two and in that they went back to the 60s and the one black character got like handcuffed with the black person in 60s texas uh storyline and then lovecraft country which is really it's a really great show what was tough to watch and i know like you know we you know people need to like see these stories is that like you know the first episode we have like the i forgot it's like the sundown county yeah and it's literally them like they're in like this just you know southern state in early like 60s 50s mm-hmm. part of the u.s it's 50s 50s part of the u.s and it's like you literally have to get out of the county and the cop is the cops are right behind them trailing them they're like hey if you don't get out of this county and 10 minutes essentially we're gonna like kill you like that's essentially what they said yeah, you can't be speeding otherwise we'll pull you over and then you'll be stuck in this county where we'll kill you so like just dealing with that that's really tough because what i appreciate about jordan Peele is that he uses race as a tool but he doesn't let race use him to tell the stories in a sense now lovecraft country didn't do that it just came out at a very you know tough yeah. time um, but that's such a great story. Like you said, Lovecraftian uh, horror, the different stories they tell throughout, because like part of it, it feels like it's linear. Then at sometimes it felt an- like an anthology type of stuff. Yeah. So. And, and another thing I love is because of the fact that the, the point of the original book and why it was cast as black people in the first place was because of the fact that H.P. Lovecraft is notoriously racist. He is like the prototypical race. Like if you think of racism, H.P. Lovecraft, like, he checks all the boxes, and in fact, he was probably more racist than you think, especially considering the time that he lived in. Where was he born? He was born, like, in uh, I want to say Maryland? Okay. Or something like that? I, I, I'd i have to look him up, because it's been a while since I've That's jumped okay. into his into his backstory, because uh, I don't care about him. I just care about what he produced. But, uh, yeah, and then the author of Lovecraft Country, uh, the name escapes me for the moment, he he pretty much created the book kind of to say, like, no, we can have, like, Lovecraftian-style stories with black people in it, and it makes sense. Oh, yeah, Matt Ruff. Matt Ruff. 
So, so yeah, like I really love that, and yeah, like the Lovecraft Country was just a great one that uh again exposed a lot of exposed a lot of uh, black a black trauma. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, even the Emmett Till episode was just like rough. Uh, I I would love like we we're gonna get into what goes next, but I would love like an updated version where we're not again just handcuffed with that just like kind of time period maybe like I, the sequel take place like modern day yeah but it's tough because i know it didn't get approved for a season two somehow i don't know why um but just even going from there now we get into our jordan peele sections of importance yes, sir. so get out is game changing like there's no other way to say it like i remember when it when it came out and i had already watched it i was on a um road trip with two of my friends uh shout out to my homegirl shelby and madison and I kid you not, because we were going to a retreat, I kid you not, the first hour and a half of that trip, we just talked about Get Out and all the theories, all the plots, and it was this incredible movie. Yep, yep. I remember my time, too. It's like all my friends like at camp, it's like we went and saw this movie day zero. <laughs> like, when it was released, we were there at the, at the first premiere of it. Is such an enlightening experience. Like me and like a bunch of like my black friends, like we were all just together. We just like talked about it. It was like, it's like, yeah, yeah. We we just like as you mentioned, like we spent so much time just crapping theories about the movie. So much points and whatnot. And then and then like I came home perhaps like two weeks later. And my family drugged me to go see the movie again. <laughs> well, okay, let's drag me and more like, hey, we're gonna go see Up. Uh, we're gonna see Get Out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait, y'all hadn't seen it yet? <laughs> so pretty much I dragged them to go see it. And, <laughs> and, uh, and of course, uh, the discussions after that was, uh, it was such legends and also the stuff of nightmares considering uh, my grandma. Uh-oh. <laughs> legendary i'm just like oh lord i probably shouldn't have taken her to go see this movie considering where i go to school school but but that's neither here nor there that's neither here nor there because this yeah because get out with the movie that really gave jordan peele that bag Mm -hmm. that really exposed us to his movie style like his uh directing style yeah and just just the the underlying tones of the movie that may not have that may not have been explicit, but it was right underneath the surface to where if you where if you just thought about it for like a split second, you got it immediately. And that's kind of, yeah, what I was even saying, just like he, like he used it in such a way where it was intricate, it was well thought out, but it didn't beat you over the head with it. Mm-hmm. Even when it was white people taking over black people's body, it's the general point of the movie um and like even like the scenes where like the people come over and they're like inspecting him almost like it was like a a, a auction in a sense well it was an auction <laughs> so like that part it's like wow it's like but it wasn't like oh this thoroughbred or whatever it was just like well technically it was but it was like the microaggressions of yeah. it, the subtle comments, it, and the palace, yeah, aggressive racism, <laughs> yeah, and them being like, even the dude uh, that was like, yo, I'm gonna take your body, is like, yo, I'm not racist, don't call me racist, I, I just, I just want to keep going on, you know, exactly, it's like it just happened that uh, y'all's bodies are the more, uh, are the more physically fit, like I don't know what to tell you, yeah, um. I'll give him more credit, uh, just going from, but just for time's sake, we'll go to us now. Yep. For us, I, I like that movie. 
here's the thing about us where i don't think it gets appreciated as much as it should is that it's kind of like rising of the shield hero season two versus season one the only problem is it's not season one which is one of the greatest seasons of an anime get out is one of the greatest thrillers slash horrors or like psychological if you put it in that sense movies to be made and it's well thought provoking Mm -hmm. us i feel like a lot of people overanalyzed it and a part i feel like he also wanted us to like analyze it as well but then we like overanalyze it and we go oh it's not get out and you know in that sense but i really appreciated what it was you know that family fighting for survival yeah yeah for sure for sure uh, i know like for me again like i also really like that one and it's another one of those movies where you really are like at the end like i feel like there were like undertones to it definitely but like yeah, they were undertones, and but like that one is like you had to squint a little more. You had to put in yeah. some more effort into like seeing that one. Than you had to you use did. a microscope. Yeah, then you had to, you had to use the Hubble telescope <laughs> for that one. Then you had to with uh, Get Out, mm-hmm. which I think is probably like what turned what people like pretty much had a problem. But I feel like yeah, I feel like it's kind of like comparing S tier to a B tier. Yeah, know? like it's still good. It's just like people just gonna. People are gonna find whatever it takes to be mad at it. Yeah. And also that ending though to that movie. I was like, sir, that, that final twist, I'm like, huh? <laughs> and then when I and then when I realized I'm like, wait, hold up. This was no They set it up. Yeah. Yeah, they set it up too. But but also again for time's sake, let's move on to essentially what I like to call the Black Vampire Trilogy. And and we ain't talking about Twilight. <laughs> so first one, Blackula. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I I definitely had to add it back to the list because I was like, I gotta give it credit. It definitely like is important for the time that it came out. Mm-hmm. You know, this this was a time like I think it was like right. Actually, I think this was the start of like the black exploitation yeah, film. Definitely in mm-hmm. that period. Yes, like this was like the beginning of it. Blackula is like, hey. He, he was he was that he was that guy like he he, he was him um <laughs> that ending though and uh and yeah it's just like a really awesome like movie and it's like again very important for the black people i know like my grandmother she probably like saw it tons of times when it came out right. uh whenever she could and then we move on to vampire in brooklyn eddie murphy special Oh yeah, Eddie, Eddie Murphy decided to come in with that vampire bag as well. So I was like, sir. Now this one, I actually have like little experience, or at least like little recollection with it because like it, it's been way too long since I've seen it. I feel like part of it is like a comedy as well. I don't recall though. Like last time I remember, I think it was like part comedy because again, Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was like one of those like so bad it's good type of movies. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those where you, you generally like don't look at it unless you're like with friends and you're trying to uh and you're trying to like sleep or something. But That's uh, fair. but but yeah, I mean hey, another one, but the the real one, the yep. the, the the most important one in my opinion. Get the goats out. All right. Oh man, I gotta stand up for this one. <laughs> we talking about Blade, Blade Two. Mm. I'm not talking about Blade Trinity because we ain't gonna talk about that today. But the two Blade the two Blade movies, those are Mm. Wesley Snipes, he he took off, and now the requel, I believe, is going to be really, it's going to be good because it has a great actor. I love Ali. I don't know how to say his yes. first name. I'm sorry, but Asher Ali, he's an incredible actor. So, but yeah, just go ahead and give it credit. Okay, so that Blade movie it is 
It is vital. It is super, well, firstly, horror action. Yep. Stars Wesley Snipes as a, as the daywalker. He doesn't take nothing for nobody. He is him. For all of the movies, he is him. Mm-hmm. And, and like, he just shows like, hey, we, the black people, like, hey, we, we got that power in us. We, we got that dog in us. His and, mom is creepy, though. Uh, and we, we don't even talk about his mom. But, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and it's also, like, important in multiple spheres. Because, like, hey, it's important black vampire movie. And it's, like, so important that, like, my family, like, my mom regularly goes back and watches Blade. Wow. And, and, and like, that's another thing because, like, she doesn't realize that it's a Marvel movie. <laughs> Actually, one of the first successful Marvel movies. He does not get enough credit for that. Exactly. And I would say, like, without Blade, you probably wouldn't have gotten X-Men, which would have led to Spider-Man, which would have led to the MCU. So Blade, I say, is the progenitor for, like, what comes, like, right after. Definitely serious and not, like, cheesy, like the old-school Batman movies. Yeah, it's, like, came out at a time, like, right when it's needed, like, Marvel on the cusp of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So, like, it it was, like, one of those that saved Marvel, to be honest. So I'm probably, definitely interested to see how they do it now. Yeah, probably because, again, he got, like, all the black audiences going in to watch it, too, and then all the comic book nerds who were interested in Blade, <laughs> and then also the, the emos and the goths who, who like vampire stuff. They, it got something for everybody. Yeah, so why we mentioned all these movies is because these are, like, dip-your-toe-in movies. Uh, there's a lot of mass appeal to it, which is... Well, to the majority of them, but they have mass appeal to them. And that allows people, again, kind of like how Black Panther worked, where it's like, oh, we can make a billion dollars for this movie. We can get Oscar nominated for Best Picture. Um, So just seeing with these where it's like, oh, there's so much conversation. We can make money off of these horror movies and spaces. And it doesn't just attract black audience by themselves is you know you have to we say a lot of the time it's about the money we have to think as like uh ceos or whatever but we can have you know multiple audience people and demographics and then it's also good content which is most important mm-hmm. and that's going to carry so what would you like to see next oh man well uh i'd say like what's next is just like more again like more black movies like hey directed by more black uh directors maybe cover like just more wide array of different issues that we may face like as much as i love talking about like you know racism or uh like the plight that we have like there's there's more issues within the black community that uh many people are either not privy to or they want to turn a blind eye to i feel that like hey we need to uh bring those into light um maybe something I was gonna say I like, mentioned something along the lines of, like police brutality, but uh we see that so much. Again, like as the, like I think I think we, we see that enough to where I mean the boys kinda took that one mm-hmm. took that one and ran with it. So <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes. But uh yeah, just like again, more like and, and also it doesn't even have to be a social commentary. Like you may have social commentary undertones, but as long as it's a good movie, mm-hmm. especially if it's a good black movie and if it's a good horror movie, then hey, you you got my ticket every single time. Yeah, that's like what you said. Um I, with like there's more to it. How I always think about it since I'm a writer, um, and just like kind of developing stories is that you can't tell the story of black people in America without suffering, but that is not our story. There's happiness, there's joy, there's so much more than just suffering. 
Um, and I would love to see that told, but since we're in horror movie, we're about to get into some terror, but I would, yes, I would love to see a slasher. Um, that's kind of like my genre of movie where, uh, just like a kind of a black slasher movie, uh, in that sense. But also I got to see Denzel as a villain. I want to see him Ooh. as a horror villain. I know if he gets back in that training day back, but then he takes it horror. Oh boy! But bruh, bruh, don't don't let me get. Okay, okay, I got, I got. Ooh, ooh, dang! That training day back, that would be, that'd be stuff of nightmares for him. Actually, I want to see Samuel Jackson in that bag. Oh yes, that would actually be good. He he has. I think was he a villain in Jackie Brown? Was he? Uh, no, he was a villain in. What was that? Lakeview Terrace. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. I know that was the one where I was like, oh, yeah, no, nah, I need more of that. <laughs> I need more of that. But, uh, yeah, it's like, let's see, who who else would be like a good, uh, we'll see how the Blade movie does. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll probably see that. But, yeah. So, so yeah, just going from there, we kind of just like touched on a lot of black and horror movies, TV shows, kind of what we want to see in different importance. All of those can serve as our recommendations. But from now, we're going to get into just come get your rose. So for me, I got to give it to Jordan Pill. He has what this is one of the most redefining, I believe, just like careers uh, that I've seen in a while where it's like he starts off with Matt TV and then he goes from Key and Pill. And then he has an absolutely hilarious movie in Keanu. But it's just like crazy. We literally thought he was only comedy. Um, and he is such, he's not just like a horror director. He's a horror aficionado. And it's very brilliant um, just in how he does it. And you can see how he cares so much about his craft. Not just in attention to details, but how things are shot. And just when Get Out came, it signified a change to me. So just like with that, now when he comes out with a horror movie, it's like, oh, we got to go see this, you know, and not a lot of directors can get to that point. Like I think of a Quentin Tarantino where it's like, this movie has Quentin Tarantino as a director. I got to go see it. You know, that's what he's kind of come to now. So just like you get a different feel going into theater, which is what we talked about in our kind of requels uh, discussion where it's like, oh, it's the sameness of the same movie every time when you go into his you expect something different and you feel something different. So yeah, I just really want to give him credit for that. So come get your rose and get into our recommendations. All right. So uh, we mentioned them earlier, but for our recommendations, you got Candyman, which uh, both it and its 2021 recall are found on Amazon Prime. You got Lovecraft Country on HBO Max. Uh, you got Blade also on HBO Max. You got Blackula on Amazon Prime. But with Get Out, Us, and Vampire in Brooklyn, you have to go out and either buy the movies or rent them. Yeah, for me, I'm just doing horror in general. Like I said, Hereditary is the scariest movie I ever saw. Uh, So I recommend Hereditary. I don't know where that's located at. But then you also have the latest Halloween saga, Halloween and Halloween Kills. So that should be located on HBO Max. Uh, So going from there, we're going to get into our plugs. Uh, yes, so our plugs for today, we have our Instagram and Twitter at BlurredCity22. We have our YouTube and our Patreon under Blurred City Pod. And with our Patreon, you can go in and subscribe to get exclusive content and also support your boys and everything that we do. We have our email, which is BlurredCity22 at gmail.com, which we use for 
our recommendations as well as our random fan theories our geek out freak out segments or just anything like that that you guys want to submit to us and especially our the q a questions that we have for our for another mega episode that we may have coming up very soon so and then finally we have the blurred city discord which you can find in our instagram uh page and that is where you can join an amazing and awesome community with uh just us as well as other listeners to just you know chill out talk about different things make submissions make requests and do all that good jazz so yeah come and check us out Yep, and for my individual author pages, my Instagram is Mitri underscore dash, so M-E-T-R-I underscore D-A-S-H, Twitter at the Matt dash 16, and if you want to find my book, Phantom Pain's The Most Irregular Tale, it's on Amazon, so just catching you up, since we're hitting the home stretch of just our season one, uh, the Q&A is going to be a really big bonus episode, it's literally going to be what you make it, so just send in your questions. And just as a heads up for what we're going to see moving forward, the podcast, we're done with doing movie reviews. We are not a movie review podcast, uh, but now we're going to trend more towards villainy. (laughs) (laughs) So next week, we are going to get into our in-depth character study of Venom, which we are both excited about. Going from there, we're going to give an intro, more of a less a teaser trailer to villains in general and then finally we're going to do a anime villain draft so stay tuned uh lock in subscribe and all that good jazz so as usual we're going to leave you with some words of encouragement oh man and for our words of encouragement i would like to say that you can achieve anything that you want if you put your mind to it but you have to make sure that that plan that you have does not come at the cost of your own personal health or safety, because how in the world will you enjoy the benefits if you are dead when you're doing it? So I strongly encourage you guys that like as you're chasing your dreams, you feel free to take breaks, do uh, exercise, do calisthenics, do whatever that you could do to relax. So that's my words. Yeah, for me, I'll just keep it simple. Don't get caught up in the sensationalism. Um, but really appreciate the moment. We only get this one life. So just live in the moment. Take the time to enjoy who you, <laughs> the people that you want to enjoy and the life that you have. So as usual, I'll just say it's not goodbye forever. It's just goodbye for now. And that's the Blur City Podcast. See ya later. <laughs>